Beijing. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Reading and Living in God's Flock, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. In our last episode titled, Service, Suffering, and Judgment, Part 3, January 16th, we examined 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Last week, we learned that today, a trial by fire is an extreme trial, not necessarily with fire itself. We all have such times that we can identify as extreme trial, a situation that tries us mentally, emotionally, physically, or any degree of the three. Such times do not last, even though it seems that way. This global pandemic has only lasted about two years, but it might seem longer to many because it has been a day-in and day-out event with no real or clear end to it. Yes, there is hope of an ending, but in the United States, hope is all many people have right now. We also learned that we are not to think that such things as a pandemic are unusual. Notice what verse 12 said. Dear friends, do not be astonished that a trial by fire is occurring among you, as though something strange were happening to you. Yes, it has been nearly 100 years since our last pandemic here in the United States. The very fact it has been so long can make us think we have solved such an issue when clearly we have not as evidenced by what we see currently. Then, notice what verse 13 said when it opened. But rejoice! Rejoice in what? To find out, listen to our three-part podcast, Service, Suffering, and Judgment, Parts 1, 2, and 3. Today, our scripture reads, So as your fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, and as one who shares in the glory that will be revealed, I urge the elders among you, give a shepherd's care to God's flock among you, exercising oversight not merely as a duty but willingly under God's direction, not for shameful profit, but eagerly. And do not lord it over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. Then, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that never fades away. From 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4. through 4. Verse 1 through 3 give us a reasoning for what is said in verse 4. Let's see what Peter is telling us. First, the word elder means properly one who is old, but it is frequently used in the New Testament as applicable to the officers 
of the church, probably because aged persons were at first commonly appointed to these offices. There is evidently an allusion here to the fact that such persons were selected on account of their age, because in the following verses the apostle addresses particularly the younger. It is worthy of remark that he here refers only to one class of ministers. He does not speak of three orders, of bishops, priests, and deacons, and the evidence from the passage here is quite strong that there were no such orders in the churches of Asia Minor, to which this apostle was directed. It is also worthy of remark that the word exhort is here used. The language which Peter uses is not that of stern and arbitrary command. It is that of kind and mild Christian exhortation. In the Greek, an elder is called a fellow presbyter. This word occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It means that he was a co-presbyter with them, and he makes this one of the grounds of his exhortation to them. He does not put it on the ground of his apostolic authority or urge it because he was the vicegerent of Christ or because he was the head of the church or because he had any preeminence over others in any way. Would he have used this language if he had been the head of the church on earth? Would he, if he supposed that the distinction between apostles and other ministers was to be perpetuated? Would he, if he believed that there were to be distinct orders of clergy? The whole drift of this passage is adverse to such a supposition. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. So we know what is being spoken of when we get there. Just what is a fellow presbyter? A presbyter is an elder of a congregation in the early Christian church. A presbyter may also have administrative, teaching others in the church, and sacerdotal or holy, sacred, dedicated functions. In some churches, a presbyter could also be a minister in the church. So, a presbyter is a multifunction or multi-office person of which only older people in the church would be qualified in the days of Peter. So, a fellow presbyter is one in a group of two or more people who are qualified to serve the church body in this way. Keep that in mind as we now examine this commentary passage from Barnes. The first thing we should take note of is, it is worthy of remark that he here refers only to one class of ministers. He does not speak of three orders of bishops, priests, and deacons, and the evidence from the passage here is quite strong, and there were no such orders in the churches of Asia Minor to which the epistle was directed. We can understand that the order of bishops, priests, and deacons is something that later came into the church bodies. Depending on the church type, 
whether Christian, Catholic, or otherwise, these orders eventually came into virtually all church bodies. They were executed in different ways pertaining to the church type and faith in that church that these offices were filled by either elected or appointed people. For example, Christian churches do not use the office of bishop in the United States. In the United States, bishops are not found in Christian churches, but are found in the Catholic Church and other like church bodies. The next comment from Barnes is very important. The language which Peter uses is not that of stern and arbitrary command. It is that of kind and mild Christian exhortation. There are many churches in the United States that do not use kind and mild exhortation to correct certain individuals. Frequently, many church leaders are stern and arbitrary in their corrective means, even to the point of telling someone or more than one person they can no longer attend their church. If these leaders only had learned from Peter and others in the Bible, one must wonder what their churches would look like today. However, this is among the first notable chief reasons why people are leaving the American church in large numbers today. Harsh and or destructive criticism can be found almost anywhere. In the United States, why is so much of God's house counted among them? This two-part sentence in commentary tells us just how we should deal with others in our respective church bodies. We should only express kind and mild Christian exhortation. This gently helps a person move out of rooted sinful habits and common sinful actions that are not supported in the Bible and the Christian faith. No one is exempt from sinful habits and actions. So why do some believers portray themselves as perfect only because they are now saved in Christ? What is meant by our commentary author using the word phrase Christian exhortation? Let us look at the word meaning for exhortation. A speech or discourse that encourages, incites, or earnestly advises. A speech or written passage intended to persuade, inspire, or encourage. A communication intended to urge or persuade the recipients to take some action. Communication intended to induce belief or action. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex. There it is in the word meaning of exhortation. Our means to others who need exhortation. We are to encourage, incite, persuade, inspire, urge, induce belief, or induce action on their part. The definition of the word exhortation gives us several ways and means to help others change 
from less than godly behaviors since people do not change immediately. It also is a person-by-person view. Some people can honestly change from certain simple behaviors, while others simply need more help over a longer period of time. The common denominator here is a person's ability to change. Willingness to change is another issue and is also important here as well. So, remember, some people can change quickly. Some people need more time to effect the same change. Therefore, if we are exhorting a required change in someone, we need patience. We also do not need to add a time frame, with the result being a person is cast out of a body of believers if the time frame cannot be met. Each person takes a different amount of time to change and commandingly control a particular simple behavior. No one is exempt from this process. Yet, many that have victory over a sinful issue in many American churches hold their own success over others that cannot achieve the same degree of success as quickly. Therefore, such people are frequently cast out of a particular church body. Did Peter do that? No! Peter is our example of how we treat others since we are all sinners and only some of us are saved from the result of being a sinner. That is where the facts take us. Those who are truly saved in Christ and sincerely asked him for forgiveness of their sin are completely saved of the result of how that sin is regarded by God. Scripture says that if we ask for forgiveness, then it is not only removed from us, but also forgotten by God. So why not forgotten by us? I have covered this before in two previous episodes. Anyone who is himself an heir of salvation may appropriately exhort his fellow Christians to fidelity in the service of their common Lord. From Barnes New Testament Notes Folks, that right there is the bottom line on this subject. Simply put, anyone who is himself an heir of salvation may appropriately exhort his fellow Christians. Not denigrate them, not be overly demanding of them, and so forth. If you are an heir of salvation, you may appropriately, what? You may appropriately exhort fellow Christians. How can you denigrate someone so they feel more shame than they already are feeling and call it exhortation? Simply put, you cannot. Based on the meaning of exhortation we found, being stern and arbitrary in either or both command and comments is contrary to the meaning of exhortation. 
as opposite as the left hand is from the right hand. You simply cannot make it all seem to be the same. It clearly is not. What would happen if instead of kicking people out of church, those church people prayed over these people and asked God for a miracle? What would happen to the person suffering from an inability to walk away from a sinful behavior if they got miraculous prayer and healing so they could walk away from what plagues them permanently? If we do not pray for these people, neither they or us will ever know the answer to those two questions. Even in these days and pandemic times, God is still doing miracles. The big question is, are we willing to do our part as his born-again children? Not praying is no way to get an answer to that question. Praying once or twice without results is no way to pray either. We may have to pray several times before we see results based on whether we believe God will answer those prayers. If you ask God to do something and do not believe he will do it, why should he do what you disbelievingly ask him to do? In a more current way to put it, if I say I can repair your computer, but for any reason or reasons, you express the disbelief that I can do what I say, why should I help you by fixing your computer? While my analogy may not be great, nonetheless, do you understand this? It is real important for many people to get and understand. Verse 2 comes after a semicolon at the end of verse 1 in my Bible. Verse 2 continues, Give a shepherd's care to God's flock among you, exercising oversight not merely as a duty, but willingly under God's direction, not for shameful profit, but eagerly. This verse should have echoes to verse 1 as you hear this. Even still, there is even deeper meaning here. Let's find it. We are to give a, quote, shepherd's care, end quote, to God's flock among us. Those people we know in a particular church body. Feed the flock, both by doctrine and discipline not by constraint, unwillingly, as a burden, not for filthy gain, which, if it be the motive of acting, is filthy beyond expression. Oh, consider this, ye that leave one flock and go to another, merely because there is more gain, a large salary, it is not astonishing that men can see no harm in this. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. If you are in some form of leadership in your church body, do you feed the flock? Criticism is not feeding the flock. You are attending for God. Throwing people out of your flock, flock meaning church body, is not 
feeding these sheep. Only in the very few cases where evil people enter the flock with the intent to fleece the flock are we permitted to cast them out of the affected church body, or in other words, the flock. Such people want things their way only and will poison everything to get what they want. This, even if it means the full demise of the affected church body of God's sheep. Such people that enter a church body for such reasons need to be cast out of the body of sheep to protect them. A different approach of working with such people is properly ordered here if such people will listen. Many in the United States will not. That issue aside, how do we and or how can we feed the flock for those of us who are to operate in this charge? Verse 3 helps us answer this question. And do not lord it over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. Simply put, we are examples to others by how we live, even in these pandemic times. Even if you do not hold any church title of elder, if you have known the Lord for a long time and you are over age 50, 50, you are an elder for no other reason than natural order. You can either share words of encouragement to those younger than you or remain closed-mouthed and watch them fall unnecessarily. Whether you like it or not, whether you hold a church title of elder or not, you may well be an elder by age alone. You possess knowledge and wisdom that younger souls in Christ need. If you do not offer your wisdom and knowledge, whether accepted or not, your fellow Christians may well fall needlessly. Not something you want to account for to God when the day comes. Now, if you need more, verse 4 gives us more in this regard. Then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that never fades away. Now, who is the chief shepherd? Is it not Christ who is the chief shepherd? The answer to that question is yes. Christ is the chief shepherd. That being true, we can read that verse this way. Then when Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that never fades away. That is the reward for everything, the root sum of what we have already covered. We will continue this particular study in our next episode, titled, Leading and Living in God's Flock, Part 2. What does Peter mean when he says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another find out, join us next week. Play or download our episode from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website 
under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites. So... You should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.